الله الرحمن الرحيم أن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله صلوات الله والسلام عليه أما بعد يقول المصنف رحمه الله تعالى وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام ثلاثة لا يكلمهم الله يوم القيامة ولا يزكيهم ولا ينظر إليهم ولهم عذاب شديد شيخ زان وملك كذاب وعائل مستكبر رواه الإمام مسلم وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام حرمة النساء المجاهدين على القاعدين كحرمة أمهاتهم وما من رجل يخلف رجل من, من المجاهدين في أهله فيخونه فيهم إلا وقف له يوم القيامة فيأخذ من عمله ما شاء فما ظنكم بذلك رواه الإمام مسلم وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام أربعة يبغضهم الله البياع الحلاف والفقير المختال والشيخ الزاني والإمام الجائر أخرجه الإمام النسائي وسناده الصحيح قال الإمام الذهبي وأعظم الزنا الزنا بالأم والأخت وامرأة الأب وبالمحارم وقد صحها الإمام الحاكم رحمه الله تعالى والأهدد عليه من وقع على ذات محرم فاقتلوه وفي الباب أحاديث منها حديث البراء رضي الله عنه أن خاله بعثه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى الرجل أرس بامرأة أبيه أن يقتله ويخمس ماله This is the completion إخواني of the chapter of الزينة نسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى العافية والسلامة and last week we dealt with the ayat that al-imam al-dhahabi made his istidlal or he took the proofs to show that al-zina is a kabira from the kabair bal hiya min a'zam al-kabair and how he also proved with those ayat and some ahadith of how there are different types of zina and different levels of zina so we continue with that today and we mentioned last week brothers and sisters some examples of a zina that people of al-ahwa are falling into concerning the zina of al-muta' muta' marriage and zina of marrying without the permission of the wali and other examples we want to mention maybe three more today that we need to be careful of because it is considered to be zina and the children who come as a result of this union are abna'u zina and whether the person is keeping it a secret or not, Yom Al-Qiyamah, his children are going to be exposed as being Abna'u Zina. Wallahu A'la wa A'la. From those examples of Az-Zina, 
is the Muslim man or woman who agree to go down to the registrar's office and they get married with the kuffar and they don't get married with the Muslims they only go down to the registrar's office and they get married with the kuffar this is zina even though that marriage is recognized in this country that is zina in the religion of al-islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Quran وَلَنْ يَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ لِلْكَافِرِينَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ السَّبِيلَ Allah has not given the kuffar away over the Muslims. He said, Tabaraka wa ta'ala, in so many ayats of the Quran about the importance of al-wala'u al-bara' وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ he told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-islam ya'la wa la yu'la alayhi al-islam as a religion is uppermost and nothing else goes above islam the registrar's office or other than that it's not permissible la nikah illa bi wali the girl has to have a wali wa shahide adlin and there has to be two just witnesses from amongst the muslims not from the kuffar and there has to be a dowry and the consent of the girl has to be given so if a person goes to the registrar's office without taking the muslims as his witness then this is considered to be zina in the religion of al-islam if he knows what he's doing if he did it intentionally and he knows what he's doing this is not permissible and in contrast if the Muslim gets married with the Muslims and he does it correctly and he doesn't go to the registrar's office that is the nikah sahih in our religion as for the person who wants to get married in front of the Muslims and he wants to go to the registrar's office for some political reason or some social reason to protect himself, to protect his children then that is permissible if he has a legitimate reason to do so no one is going to say that's kufr no one is going to say that it's impermissible to protect himself, to protect his family. That is permissible. But he cannot make the istibdam change what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rebuilt and legislated in the Quran and the Sunnah for what is being done over there. Would you people choose to change what is worse? Or what is better for what is worse, you leave the religion and take the way of those people. So it is not permissible for the Muslim to only get married with those kuffar. It's not permissible. He has to get married with the Muslims first. And if he doesn't go to the kuffar, it is acceptable. One of the volumes or oppressions that we see happening is that sometimes the woman or the family of the girl, they insist, if you want to marry my daughter, you have to marry her in front of the law of the land, whether it's America or whether it's in this country. And what they want to do is they want to use that as a preventive measure of the husband divorcing the girl. Because it is well known if he divorces the girl and it's been registered with the kuffar, she's going to take half of the property. She's going to receive alimony that she doesn't have a just right and a just cause for. So we say to those sisters and those women and those awliya that they have to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
judge by what Allah has revealed. If they get divorced, and we hope that the divorces in our community, they cease to exist. But if she does get divorced, she has the haq that has been given to her by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the first type of zina. The second type of zina is the zina in which the Muslim today is saying that these kuffar women are what our right hands possess. They're from our right hand possessions. No doubt, Ikhwan, the right hand possession, the mulkul yameen, is from the religion. But it is not being practiced today correctly because jihad is gone. Because the Khilafah is gone. Because Al-Islam is not being practiced correctly in the earth, in the dunya. So the people who are practicing the mulkul yameen are not practicing it correctly. That's in the Muslim world. What about here? It is a fact that the mulkul yameen should not be an issue that we have a problem with. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had what his right hands possessed. Last Saturday we gave the talk about al-jihad and the levels of al-jihad and the types of al-jihad. According to the mafhum of Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, that was extracted from his tremendous book Zad al-Ma'ad. In Zad al-Ma'ad, in chapter number one, when he starts to tell who Rasulullah was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he talks about his uncles and his aunts and his children and his wives, there is a portion there about his right hand possessions. And they were quite a few. So because we are apologetic about our religion and what Allah has revealed, Muslims want to deny the presence and the concept and the permissibility of the right hand possession. A man can have a concubine in Islam when Islam is being practiced correctly. And for every man that's in this masjid right now, he can have that one man, this many concubines, in addition to his four wives. That's the religion of Al-Islam. If he had money, it's permissible for him to have this many concubines when Al-Islam was practiced correctly. The people will say, why are you mentioning that here? You're embarrassing us. If you're embarrassed, then something's wrong with you and your religion. That's what Allah has revealed in his book. The Prophet had a son, as you all know, by the name of Ibrahim radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Ibrahim was not from the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Maria, Al-Qibtiya, Maria, the Coptic lady, may Allah be pleased with her, was his right hand possession. She was not a wife. All of his wives, we know the circumstances behind the marriage. What happened at the Walima? What was the dowry? Where the lady was? We know all of those details. As it relates to the marriage of Maria, there are no details. But what we know is the detail that she was given to him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as a gift by the king of Egypt, along with a bagel, a mule, he gave to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, her, Maria, as a gift, and a mule. Same thing with Ibrahim sallallahu alayhi Hajr, the mother of Ismail, sallallahu alayhi was not the wife of Ibrahim. And there's nothing that we have to apologize about. That's in their religion. So let them be the first one to throw stones at the Khatim of the Anbiya and the Rasul and the Sayyid of Bani Adam. 
That's in their religion. That their NBA, our NBA, had concubines. So Hajar was the slave girl of the wife of Ibrahim, Sarah. And then Sarah was not able to conceive, so she gave Hajar to Ibrahim as a hadiyah, as a gift. So the right hand possession is permissible in Al-Islam, but it cannot be practiced here as we find it being practiced right now as I speak in London, in the streets of London, according to some of the opinion of the, the, the young brothers and young in London, this place is Darul Harup, and because it's Darul Harup, the land of war, we're in war against these people, they have concubines. These are in fact girlfriends, and it's Zina. And children who come from that bond and that union are Abna'u Zina. Lastly, Ikhwani, it is not permissible for the Muslim man to marry the non-Muslim woman, nor is it permissible for the Muslim woman to marry the non-Muslim man under any circumstances. The Muslim man can marry a woman from Ahlul Kitab as long as she is not a Zaniya, as we mentioned before. That is, she is not a practitioner of a Zina right now. He can marry her. She may Zina in the past, she left it alone, and she's just with him, it's permissible for him to marry her. Even if she says, Isa is Ibn Allah, and Maryam is the Zoja of Allah, or Maryam is the Ummullah, even if she says that, they're from Ahlul Kitab, and Allah knew what and where he was going to put his Risala. To marry the Sikh, to marry the Hindu, to marry anyone who is an atheist is not permissible in the religion of Al Islam. Ya ayyuladina amen. Ida ja'akum al mu'minat, muhajirat. فَلَا تَرْجِعُهُنَّ If those believing women come to you, oh you believers, then test them about their iman, test them about their faith, see if they're really believers. Ask them about the religion, which is a delil, if you have doubt about someone's Islam, someone wants to work for you, you have doubt about Islam, ask them about the arkan of Islam. Ask him about the arkan of al-iman. Ask him about the names of Rasulullah's wife, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and issues like that. It's permissible to give these people the tests. Allah knows best as to their iman. فَإِنْ أَلِمْتُمُ هُنَّ مُؤْمِنَاتِ فَلَا تَرْجِعُهُنَّ إِلَى الْكُفَّارِ لَا هُنَّ حِلُّ لَهُمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحِلُّونَ لَهُنَّ. If you find and you're satisfied. That those believing women who made hijrah to you, if they are believing women, then do not return them back to the kuffar. Those women are not halal for those kuffar, and those kuffar men are not halal for our women. So clearly, the Muslim woman cannot marry a non-Muslim man, and the Muslim man cannot marry the mushrika. We explained that ayat that the people have a shubha concerning concerning those people who are the zani and the zaniya the zani and the zani they cannot marry anyone but the ayah said except the mushrik or mushrika and we explained this is a ayat that's telling us the news and it's not an insha of a hukum concerning today's hadith the first one and imam al-dhahabi mentions is the authentic hadith that clearly proves and illustrates as Zina is a kabira from the kabair. There are three people who Allah will not speak to them yawmul qiyamah. 
And that's a fitna that the Lord of the world does not speak to a person Yomul Qiyamah. Everyone wants Allah to speak to him Yomul Qiyamah. Nor will Allah give them the tazkiyah. He will not purify them from the dhanub and the ma'asi. Nor will He look at them Yomul Qiyamah. And they will get a grievous punishment. The first one is the shaykh who has made zina. The elder man who has made zina. The second one is the king or the ruler who is a liar. He is a kadhab, not just a kadhab, but he is a kadhab on the sigha al-mubalaga, pathological chronic liar, kadhab. And the third one is a person who is a'il, he's poor and he's mustakbir, and he's arrogant. He's poor and he's arrogant. These three people are falling into a major sin because the way that they are would suggest they're the last people who should be falling into these crimes. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not speak to or look at or purify the shaykh who is a zani? It is because he more than anyone should have the ability to control himself. He's a shaykh, he's an older man. He told the young people sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya ma'ashar al-shabab, man astata'a minkum al-ba'a, falyatazawwaj. You young men. He addressed the young men. Because they're the one who have the biggest fitna of the shahwa in the summertime. They're not married. They're young. They have the quwa of the shabab. Oh, you young men, whoever has the ability to get married, you can pay and physically you can take care of being married to a woman. Then hurry up and do so. And whichever one from amongst you can't get married, you don't have the ability, then fast. Then fast. Why did he mention the shabab as opposed to saying, Ya ma'ashar al-rijal, oh you men, because usually it's the young man who has this problem. Whereas the older man, he should have the ability to control himself a bit more. The man came to the Prophet وسلم, an older man, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, هَلْ أُقَبِّلْ أَهْلِي وَأُبَاشِرُهَا وَأَنَا صَائِمْ قَالَ النَّعَمْ Ya Rasulullah, while I'm fasting, can I kiss my wife and can I hug her and be affectionate to her? He said, yes. A young man came and asked the same question, Ya Rasulullah, هَلْ أُقَبِّلْ أَهْلِي وَأُبَاشِرُهَا Once he saw that answer, he thought he was going to say yes. He said, no. The people started looking at each other as if to say, this seems to be a contradiction. Why would he say yes to him, no to them? Rasulullah told them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, shaykha yamliku nafsahu. The elder man has the ability to control himself. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, when she used to be asked, what is permissible for a man to do with his wife while he's fasting? She would say, Kullu shay, illa al-jima' wa illa yakun He can do anything with his wife except have intercourse. And except if he's a young man. Except if he's a young man. Out of fear that the young man is going to fall into that which is going to render his fast null and void. So the shaykh, he should have the ability to control himself. Inna Allah a'adhara lirrajulin balaga sitin min umrihi. Allah will not give an excuse. He will not ex- accept the excuse from a man who has reached 60 years old. 
The fact that he doesn't pray. The fact that he falls into zina. The fact that he drinks khamar. Allah won't accept from him his excuse because he's old enough and mature enough that he should be more disciplined than that. As for the young man, Allah Ta'ala loves the udham. He loves to give people excuses. He knows best who he created and how he created them. So the Shaykh Azani falls into a kabira and that's the shahid from this hadith. As for the king or the ruler who was a liar, why is he lying? He's the king. Why is he lying? Lying is a sign of weakness, ikhwani. People lie because they are afraid of getting in trouble with other people. Who is the king afraid of? He has the law in his hand and the power in his hand. So if he's lying, it is an indication that he must be doing other things in order to be a pathological liar. And there has to be other dhunub and ma'asis that he's doing. Like al-khiyana to the people, stealing from the people, and other than that. And lastly, the one who was committing the kabira is the person who is poor, but he's arrogant. He's poor and he's arrogant. I heard something that was amazing that comes from our culture. The boy marries a girl from a family and there are problems between them. The family of the boy doesn't want the family of the girl to come and to be a part of their family. We don't want this marriage no matter what. Why? Because that family is a family of shoemakers. The father, the grandfather, the great-grandfather, they were shoemakers. Or they were butchers. Or they were herdsmen. And our family, we are landowners. We are the landlords. Or we are the ones who were the umara. So every opportunity that this family gets to make that other family upset, they take advantage of it. The family is present, visiting, having dinner. Normally if someone calls, the mother will say, Assalamu alaikum. No, my husband is not here. No, Abu Tariq is not here. No, Mustafa is not here. But because the other family is here, she says, No, no. No, Chaujuri Saab is not present. He's not here. To make them feel that they're down. And she herself is renting. She's not a landowner. She's paying rent. She herself is poor. But she says that in order to make other people down and to put herself up. So from the people who are falling into the kabair is the ail mustakbir. You're a poor person and you're mutakabir because of what your father did or your grandfather did. So those three al-kabair, al-imam al-dhahabi brought them in order to show the impermissibility of al-zina as it relates to the shaykh. And whether it's a shaykh or other than the shaykh, it's just worse in the case of the shaykh. The second hadith is a serious hadith, ikhwani. And that is, he said that the hurma of the women of the mujahideen, the sacredness and the sanctity of the women of the mujahideen, his wives, his daughters, his aunts, his mothers, when he goes out for jihad and he leaves one of us responsible for his family, Rasulullah says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said that the hurma of his women are like the hurma of the mothers of the people who are taking care of those women. So just as a man respects his mother and the position of his mother, he has to respect the sanctity of the women of the mujahideen. Because any man 
who has khiyana with the women of the mujahideen, yawm al-qiyamah, that man will be made to stand, and that mujahid will be given the ability to take from his deeds as much as he wants. Rasulullah says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, After he told them about that hadith, he said, So what's your opinion about that? What do you think about that? The person who's going to stand here and the mujahid is able to extract from him all of his good deeds. So one of the worst forms of a zina is to make zina with the wife or the daughter or the relative of the mujahid who you put responsible for. One of the worst forms of zina is anyone who has a position in this deen, the scholar, his daughter, the emir of the jama'ah, his daughter, anyone who has a position, it is from the serious darajat of a zina. He said that there are four people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah is angry with them. The first one is the businessman who's always swearing unnecessarily, wallahi is this, wallahi is that. Allah is angry with him. And then he mentioned the next three people were already, already mentioned. The poor person who was arrogant. And the shaykh who makes zina. And the imam who is oppressive. Al-ja'ir. And his oppression here is explained from the other hadith. He is a liar. And Imam al said, and there are a number of hadith from this chapter, and from the worst forms of zina, and the greatest forms of zina, the single greatest form of zina is for a man to make zina with his mother, or his sister, or the wife of his father, or any from his, anyone from his maharam, those relatives who he is, the mahram. The mahram is different from the muhram. The muhram is the one who puts on the ihram and he's going to make hajj and umrah with a dhamma. The mahram has the fatha. So his maharam, those women he is connected to, he's responsible for them, he's their his relatives. That is the worst form of zina. And he said there are a number of ahadith in this chapter. The first one he brings and he said, the responsibility of saying this hadith is authentic lies with Al-Imam Al-Hakim, Abu Abdullah Al-Hakim in his Mustadrik. The hadith says, whoever has relations with one of his mahrams, then kill him. This hadith is not authentic. And that's why Imam Al-Dhahabi says, the responsibility of saying it's authentic is on the shoulders of Al-Imam Al-Hakim, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, who was from the Mutasahileen in the hadith. So that hadith is munkar, according to Imam al-Bukhari and Abu Hatim al-Razi, rahimahumullahu ta'ala. But in the chapter, in the bab of having sex and zina with the maharam, is the authentic hadith in al-Tirmidhi. And this is the last hadith of the chapter. Al-Bara, and he's Al-Bara ibn Azir, the companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He saw his uncle one day, his mother's brother, walking with his sword. And he had a flag, a black flag, the flag of the jihad. And he was walking by himself. When Al-Bara saw him, he asked him, where are you going? He told him, Ba'athani Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ila rajulin arrasa bimra'ati abihi. Rasulullah has sent me to go to deal with a man who married his father's wife. That was one of the despicable practices of the Arabs in the times of Al-Jahiliyyah. Al-Imam ibn Abdul-Bar, the scholar of the Maliki Madhah, 
who explained the Muwattab al-Imam Malik Hadith Hadith. 52 volumes. Any Maliki owns. He owes some dua and some favor to Imam Ibn Abdul Bar. He wrote a book about the history and the biography of all of the companions. In his book called Usud al-Ghaba, Fi Ta'rif al-Sahaba. He said concerning this issue, I have yet to come across the name of a companion who in Jahiliyyah, he married his father's wife with the exception of this particular person and we don't even know his name. But it was from the despicable practices of the Arabs. Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa, وَلَا تَنْكِهُ مَا نَكَهَ آبَاءُكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَى إِلَّا مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَمَقْتًا وَسَاءَ السَّبِيلًا Do not marry those women who your fathers marry, except what happened already. Because that is fahisha, and that is a terrible crime. Khwani, concerning what the Arabs used to do, a man would never marry his own mother. So don't misunderstand that ayah. The Arabs had enough sense in Jahiliyyah for the man not to marry his own mother. But he would marry his stepmother. If his father died, he felt it was an honor to marry his stepmother, to take care of the stepmother. It was part of the ghira of the Arab, that the man wouldn't want another man to come and marry his father's woman. So he would marry them. And they looked at that as being okay. It was from the decrepit understanding of the mentality of Al-Jahiliyyah. So they would marry the stepmother, and in Islam made it impermissible, except for the man who was married to his mother already, and this ayat was revealed, it was allowed for him to keep that mother. Don't marry what your mother's married, except what has already passed. <laughs> Whenever a man marries a woman, and this is an important point, not because we need to know it, because someone has fallen into it, but from just knowledge of our deen. If a man marries a woman, by simply marrying her on paper, in front of the people, whether he consummates or not, his father, his sons become haram for that lady. So your wives are haram for your fathers if you come from the loins of your father. And when you marry your mother, your wife, your wife's mother is haram for you, whether you consummate or not. A man can marry a woman, divorce her and marry her sister. A man can marry a woman, divorce her and marry her daughter if he didn't consummate with the mother. He can marry a woman, divorce her, marry her paternal aunt, maternal aunt. That's permissible. But under no circumstances is it permissible or is it allowed for him to marry his wife's mother, no matter what, whether he consummated or didn't consummate. No matter what, he cannot marry his father's wife, his father's wife who is his stepdaughter. حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ إِلَا أَنْ قَالْ وَنِسَاءُ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ you cannot marry your mothers, your daughters, your sisters, and he went on to mention other people, and you cannot marry the mothers of your wives. And you cannot marry the wives of your sons who are from your loins. 
So that's our religion and that's the chapter. The next chapter is the chapter of the oppressive Iman. And it is the longest chapter of the Kitabul Kaba'ir. It is the longest chapter. This chapter and then the chapter of making khuruj against the Iman. So when Imam al-Dahibi in this chapter is giving practical advice and he's making inkar and he's giving nasiha to the leaders of the Muslims in a practical way. Not by getting on the member, not by making khuruj against them, but by bringing to their attention some ayat of the Qur'an. So he was a nasih to the ummah, to the regular people and to the leaders as well. Because it's a long chapter, inshallah, we're going to leave this chapter to deal with it by itself next week, inshallah. So we're going to stop here after completing the chapter of Zina. As Zina is the Kabira from the Kabaki. Your brother's wife. It's permissible for a person to marry his brother's wife if his brother divorces her. It's permissible. There's nothing in the religion to make it haram and it is a practice of the Muslims today. The brother dies, his brother takes the responsibility of marrying his brother's ex-wife and taking care of the children. That is permissible. Even if the brother doesn't die and the wife is still walking on the face, the brother's walking on the face of the earth, he can marry his brother's ex-wife. It's permissible. Any more questions concerning today's dars? Concerning the maharam that we cannot marry or the maharam, we're going to start to have a family class inshallah on Sunday. We're going to deal with at one point those people who we can't marry from our relatives and from those people who are not our relatives. And there are two types of maharam. There are two types of mahrams. The first mahram is the lady who was haram for you forever. She is haram to you forever because of the lineage that you share. Your mother, your daughter, your sister, your aunts, they will be haram for you forever. Your grandmother, your granddaughters. And then there's the mahram who is temporary. My wife's mother, I'm a mahram to her because I can't marry her. I can travel with her to Hajj, I can travel with her to Umrah, I can travel with her to her country temporarily. But if something happens to a person who's in that situation, he dies, he divorces his wife, his wife dies, then that lady is no longer considered to be from those women who you can travel with and you can be alone with. So we're going to deal with that in more detail, inshallah. Good question, Akhi. The brother asked a question concerning the first hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give the tazki and he will not purify those three people who were mentioned. The Shaykh Zani, the Malik Kadhab, and the poor person who's arrogant. Does that mean that they won't come out of the hellfire? No, it doesn't mean that. This is a hadith of the a hadith of al waid where the person is being threatened by Allah or Rasulullah sallallahu with a particular punishment. And all of the hadith and the ayat of al waid 
means that the person who falls under that description is under the Mashiach of Allah. If Allah wants, Allah will forgive him. And if Allah wants, Allah will punish him. That is totally, strictly with Allah Ta'ala. The one who was a zani, and he makes zina with his maharam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may not put him in the hellfire at all. He may not put him in the hellfire at all. Inshallah, I think we're going to do a khutbah this Friday here at Green Lane concerning this particular issue. The hadith of al-wa'id. So it's up to Allah to forgive anyone who falls into the kabira from the kabair. He's put him in the hellfire if he want in order to purify him or he puts him into jannah. The jannah and his maghfirah and his rahmah are from his kazain, from his treasures. He does whatever he wants with them and they're not for anyone. As for the permissibility of marrying the women of Anil Kitab, as we mentioned Ikhwan a number of times, it is not permissible, open-ended like that. Al-Itlaq. Just go marry Anil Kitab. Some Anil Kitab you can't marry. The Alil Kitab woman who is a Zaniya right now, practitioner of it, you can't marry us. Haram. Nor can you marry a woman from Alil Kitab who you have some doubt about her. You have to stay away from putting yourself in what you have doubt about. But if she does not fit those descriptions, it's permissible to marry her. As for whether or not it's better or it's not better, Obviously, it's always better to marry a believing woman. But there are some women from Ahlul Kitab who are decent women. And they make for good wives. But in general, look for the lady from Al-Islam. Marry the one for her religion and you'll be successful. And where is that lady with the religion from Ahlul Kitab? She doesn't have any deen. But some of them have some good akhlaq. So it's going to be relative. For some people, it'll be a good idea. For other people, it won't be a good idea. Umar radiallahu anhu used to make inkar on some of the companions like Abu Musa al-Ash'ari who married the lady from Ahl al-Kitab and he ordered him to divorce her. You're a person that the Muslims are looking at. Abu Musa al-Ash'ari being strong and being from the ulama said, are you making it haram? He said, I don't make it haram. But... We don't want the regular Muslims to look at you. You're an example. And plus, look at all of the Muslim women who need to be married and who should be married. So the Muslim has to look at all of those issues. And to me, it's similar to the hijra fisabilillah. It's similar to the hijra fisabilillah. It's better to make hijra to a place where you can go and save your deen. But where is that place? It's up to you to find that place. Not everyone can find that place. Similarly with the woman from Ahl al-Kitab, generally it's better to marry the Muslim woman who is the ones who want to help you on your deen, but it's possible that you may find a woman from Ahl al-Kitab who gives the man more assistance in practicing his deen than even the Muslim girl, unfortunately. Any more questions, Ikhwani, concerning today's dars? Concerning the ayah that we mentioned last week, that Imam al-Dahibi brought in this book, showing the kabira of a zina, and he said that the woman who makes zina, 
who's a Muslimah. She is a Zaniya right now. She doesn't marry anyone except a man who makes zina or a mushrik. And the man who makes zina does not marry anyone except a lady who makes zina or mushrika. We explain that this ayah doesn't make it haram for a person who committed zina in Islam and then he made toba from marrying a woman who's a virgin or a woman who committed zina from marrying a man who is a virgin. The ayat is given in the description that the lady who was practicing zina, she's a Muslim doing zina right now, she's not going to marry anyone except another Muslim man who commits zina or mushrik. Because the Muslim man who commits zina and the mushrik, they look at zina as being small. So she's going to marry someone like that. At-tuyur ala ashkaliha taqa. Birds of a feather flock together. Al-mar ala deen khalili. The person's on the religion of his friend. So they're going to do that. But it's permissible for them to get married if they made toba. Allah Ta'ala in this ayah said that they can marry a mushrik. La, you can't marry a mushrik. You can't marry a non-believing woman or a non-believing man. وَلَا تُمْسِكُوا You men, do not marry the... Do not hold on to the ties of marriage to mushrik women. You are Muslim now? Divorce those women. Divorce them immediately. So the ayat is not talking about that. لَا تُنْكِهُ الْمُشْرِكَاتِ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنَّ وَلَا تُنْكِهُ الْمُشْرِكَاتِ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنَّ وَلَا أَمَةُ مُؤْمِنَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِنْ مُشْرِكَةٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ وَلَا تُنْكِهُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُوا وَلَا عَبْدٌ مُؤْمِنٌ خَيْرٌ مِنْ مُشْرِكٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكُمْ أُولَئِكَ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى النَّارِ وَاللَّهُ يَدْعُو إِلَى الْمَغْفِرَةِ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ بِإِذْنِهِ So that tells us you can't marry a mushrik, man or woman. It's permissible for the Muslim man to marry the woman from the Al Kitab, Yahudi or Nasrani. What if a Muslim man from the Kitab? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it out of the Quran? Does it get out of the Quran? Does it make it Unless they say that that is permissible. If a person makes istihlal, or he makes this istibdal, he changes this for that, then he becomes a kafir after the argument has been established upon him. He's not a kafir for that particular crime. Last question. Tafaddal. And then shahid. Now? Again, Ikhwani, if you get married, you get married here in the masjid, you don't have to go down to the register in order for that marriage to be recognized in Al-Islam. If you get married here, that is the marriage in the sight of Allah in this deen. If you go and you get married there without getting married here, you are committing zina. To go and get married down there, and it's just on the paper, but you don't consummate, you don't live together. 
That's permissible. You're going to get married at the register. On paper, you're trying to make this the dam of your wife. You want to bring your wife here. There's some political reason. Under the law, within the confines of the law, you're following the law to help yourself, your dunya. You can do that. As long as you don't consummate, as long as you continue to treat her as a woman who's haram for you. But the marriage that makes you halal for your wife and your wife halal for you is the marriage in front of the Muslims. Shahid. There are lots of situations here when uh, the head of the family, the wali, leaves their home and doesn't want to know the doctor. And when you approach uh, the person, the wali, he says, I don't want to know. Uh, in that case, what is the role of the mother or if there is any brother? If there is no brother, what? As it relates to the mother, Ikhwani, the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, La tunkil mar'atu al mar'ata. No woman should marry another woman. Your aunt, no matter how strong her personality is, your mother, no matter how strong she is, does not have the right to marry any girl to another man. We can take her position, we can respect her even in her kalima, that's how it is in your culture, in your family. We have to run it by Auntie Sumeya, Auntie Sophia. If she says no, no. If she says yes, yes. But the marriage itself is not with her being the waliya of the woman. She doesn't have that right. It is the waliya of the, the wilaya of the man. So what happens if the father, the uncle, the brother is on the scene but he doesn't want to help the girl to get married? He told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la nikaha illa bi wali. Wa in the marriage cannot happen without a wali. And if the wali and the girl are fighting, they're disagreeing, the wali says, no, you can't marry him because he's not from our tribe. Or the wali says, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. If they're fighting and not agreeing, then the sultan becomes the wali of the girl who doesn't have a wali. She comes into the religion, the imam, the administration of the masjid, they assign and designate someone to be the wali of the girl. So that's what happens. Under no circumstances should the woman marry herself or another woman marries that particular lady off to another man. Uh, as a place of the wilaya, who's the wali? The father is the wali. The brother is the wali. The son of the lady is the wali. Those three are the closest. And obviously the grandfather from the father. And then after those three, the uncles from the father's side. The uncles from the mother's side. So you have to have the wali who is close before you do the wali that is far away. The wali, the father, the brother, her son has more right than the cousin. She can't go to her cousin because her and her cousin are on the same ideology. Both of them, Alul Hadith, Salafi, both of them, on the same ideas. Father is something else against the religion. He still has the right to be the wali of his daughter. You can't go to your cousin like that. You have to convince your father, ask your father, give it to the cousin. If you get married like that, and the father is not in agreement with it and you did it, that's zina. Because there's no wilaya jumping from him to him except through a process. All of us sitting here, we're related. Everyone here are related because we all go back to Adam. 
everyone here is related. So everyone can be the wali of a next woman. He's closer to the wilaya of his cousin than I am. But somewhere down the line, I'm related to her. Can I step in and just be the wali? Can you be the wali for my daughter? I'm the wali for you and your daughter? La. You have to go according to the system. And then if the father doesn't want to cooperate and agree, then after making many efforts, that wilayah is taken from him because he's fighting with the girl. And just as the father doesn't have a right to say to the son or the daughter, eat 10 chapatis, eat 20 chapatis. That's not his right. That's not her right. He doesn't have the right to say, you must marry fulan or fulana. That's not the right of the father. That's not the right of the mother. So the mother and the father should not say ikhwani to the daughter or the son. Or the grandmother should not write in her will to the father. If you don't marry your two daughters to your sister's sons back in our country, then I'm mad at you in front of Allah, Yom Al-Qiyamah. That anger doesn't mean anything in the law. Is it permissible for a woman who was on her menses to come to the mosque for lectures? Is it permissible for a woman who is on her menses to come to the masjid for lectures? As we mentioned before, ikhwani, we know in all of the madhahib, they are against, every madhahib is against the woman coming to the masjid on her menses. And this is an example of where the madhahib got it wrong. All four of them got it wrong. Because their proofs of the Quran and the sunnah show and she can come to the masjid on her mints. The first proof of that is that there's no delil in the dunya to stop her from coming to the masjid on her mints. So if someone is going to say that it's haram, they have to bring the, de- the delil. So what kind of delil do they have? They have a delil that is sahih, but it's ghayru sarih. Or a delil that is sarih, but it's ghayru sahih. They have a proof that is authentic, but it's not proving the point. This is not a delivery, it's talking about the Quran. Reading the Quran and coming to the masjid as from the malaika. So the delivery is authentic, but it's not proving the point. Or it's not authentic and it's proving the point. And if it's not authentic, we do away with it. So it's permissible because of the concept of al-bara'atul asliya. Everything in the dunya is halal until the delil is brought to show that you can't do it. Everything in the dunya is halal until the you have some delil to show you that you cannot do it. And this is what we mentioned before, ma'amad bihi al-balwa. Who knows what that is? Ma'amad bihi al-balwa. Can someone tell me? I'm going to just pick you, inshallah. Just going to pick you. I'm just going to pick someone, inshallah. Now, it's something that was always there and will always continue to be there. Women having their menses was there during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It was always there. If this was haram for her to come to the masjid, there would be one hadith saying this. Because someone would have had the intent of coming to listen to him. They would have had the intent of wanting to go get the khair from the masjid and the dhikr in the masjid. And he would have told them, no, this is not permissible. There's not a hadith in the dunya. As a matter of fact, there are a hadith that show it's permissible. Aisha radiallahu anha, in the month of Ramadan, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in i'tikaf. 
And she, he wanted her to give him a comb. He said, give me the comb, bring me the comb. She said, Ya Rasulullah, Mama, mints. He said, is your mints in your hands? Bring me the comb. You can come to the masjid. Aisha radiallahu anha was making hajj. Her mints came. She was crying. Rasulullah said, what are you crying for? She said, I came on my mints. My mints is here. Meaning I have to stop doing the ahkam of al-hajj. I can't pray. I have all of these problems. He told her, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna hadha sunnatullahi fi banati Adam. That is the sunnah of Allah in all of the daughters of Adam. Isna'i kullama yaf'ala al-hajj illa tatufi bil-bayt. Do everything that the pilgrim does except don't make tawaf. He said in another hadith, Inna tawaf salat. فَأَجَازَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ فِيهِ الْكَلَامِ فَمَنْ تَكَلَّمَ فَلَا يَتَكَلَّمْ إِلَّا بِخَيْرِ Verily the tawaf is salah. But Allah allowed you to speak in that salah. So anyone who speaks, let him only speak good. If you lose your wudu, make it tawaf, you have to go get wudu again because it is salat. So he told Aisha, do everything that the pilgrim does except don't make tawaf. The pilgrim goes as Sa'i, Safa and Marwa. The pilgrim sits in the masjid and he reads the Quran or she reads the Quran. The pilgrim gets sadaqah. The pilgrim lays down and goes to sleep in the masjid. Do whatever they do except don't make salah. That's the ibadah that she can do. But ikhwani, if she has a mince, she just has to be careful that the blood of the mince does not get in the masjid because that blood is najasa. The last question, is it okay for her to sit in the corner while other people pray? If the masjid is a masjid of women who have some fiqh in the deen and some fahim in the deen, then it is permissible. When the other women look at her, they're going to know what's going on, then it's permissible. If they don't, she's in a masjid where the people are opposed to this, they're adamant that this is haram, then it's better for her to come to the masjid when the people have finished praying and to leave the masjid before the people begin the prayer so that she's not a fitna for the believing women. So to sit by herself will be a trial for those who don't know. People who don't know, they see the ma'roof as being munkar, and they see the munkar as being ma'roof. So she has to take that into consideration. Is a child born, or born adultery or zina, guilty, is equal to other children in front of Allah? While we discriminate those children, the parents are guilty, is not it? I think what it is saying is, if the child is an ibn zina, is he guilty of that zina? He's not guilty of that zina. No one will be held accountable for the sins of his parents. No one will be caused to carry the burden of what someone else did. You use the word al-liwaq to describe homosexuality. The scholar said that this was impermissible as it is connecting this horrible crime and act to the name of one of Allah's prophets and messengers, Lut. And I say to you as well, We like these kinds of questions. Shows that someone is in the audience listening, saying I have some background information, let me give advice. This is the religion, I have to have ghira. Let me advise the people so that they can know their deen.
So we thank you for this kind of question, but we don't agree with this question. We don't agree with that position because when you read the Quran, Ikhwani, every time Allah mentions the people of Lut and what they did, He always says, Amru Qawmin Lut. They did the actions of the people of Lut. The people did the actions of the people of Lut. He never called it liwat, homosexuality connecting it to the Nabi Lut. He'll call it fahisha or the action of the people of Lut. So the scholar said it's dislike to call it liwat because you're connecting it to the companion's name. But there is an authentic hadith. Prophet ﷺ was asked about the man who has relationships with his wife in the wrong place, in her isk, her dubr, akramakum Allah. He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tilka al-lutiyat He said, that is the minor form of homosexuality. And he called it al-lutiyat, and he used Lut's name, a form of Lut's name. But anyway, that is an opinion of some of the scholars in al-Islam. Here we have a question. Kareem, هَلْ يُعْتَبُرُ الْإِسْتِمْنَاءِ زِنَا أَوْ مِنْ أَنْوَاعِ الزِّنَا وَإِنْ كَانَ الْأَمْرِ كَذَلِكَ فَهَلْ هُوَ كَبِيرَةٌ مِنَ الْكَبَائِرِ مَعَ ذِكْرِ الْأَدِلَّةِ وَمَا مَعْنَى قَوْلُ الْعُلَمَاءِ أَنَّ هَذِي الْآيَةِ خَرَجَتْ مَخْرَجَ الْغَالِبِ Is masturbation considered zina or a form of zina? And if it is, is it a major sin, a kabira kabir from the kabagin? And what's the delil? What is the meaning of the statement of the ulama? This ayat is kharajat makhraj al-ghalib. As it relates to masturbation, ikhwani, masturbation is zina for the man or the woman. Masturbation is zina for the man or the woman. But I'm not going to say it's a kabira from the kabair because we already mentioned how we know something is a kabira from the kabair. The scholars call masturbation and istimna talabul mani and they also call it nakih al-yad, the one who marries his hand. The one, that's what the ulama of al-Islam call it, nakih al-yad, the one who married his hand, man or woman. And it is zina. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Qur'an, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجٍ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ إِيمَانَهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُ مَلُومِينَ وَمَنْ اِبْتَغَىٰ وَرَاءَ ذَٰلِكَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْعَادُونَ And those people who protect their privates, except from their wives and what their right hands possess from their concubines, these ones, they're not blameworthy. It's permissible for them to do that with each other. But anything other than that, they are the adun. They went overboard. Wallahu la yuhibbu al-mu'tadeen. Allah doesn't love those people who go overboard. He also said, what is the meaning of the statement of the scholars? This ayat has, is, I don't know how to even to describe or how to translate this. Kharajat makhraj al-ghalib. I don't even know how to, to, to translate it. But let me just say, uh, certain ayahs that Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they're mentioned and a particular characteristic is given to that ayah. And it is not only that characteristic that is intended, but that characteristic was mentioned because that's what happens most of the time. <laughs> 
For an example, and there are too many examples, Allah Ta'ala said, وَلَا تُكْرِهُ فَتَيَاتِكُمْ عَلَى الْبِغَاءِ إِنْ أَرَدْنَا تَحَصُّنَا Don't force your slave girls to do prostitution if they want to be chaste. So usually the believing, chaste, the believing girl wants to be chaste. So don't force her to make prostitution. Okay, what about the one who doesn't want to be chaste? Can you force her? No. That statement, if they want to be chaste, خَرَجَتْ مَخْرَجَ الْغَالِبِ That's usually the case. وَلَا تَأْكُلُ الْرِبَى بِعَافٍ مُدَعَفَ Don't eat riba multiple times over. So the person says, Allah said don't eat riba. So I'm going to build my house in riba, I'm not eating it. I'm going to wear riba, I'm not eating it. I'm going to buy a car with riba, I'm not eating it. No, it was mentioned don't eat it because that's what's usually happening. The people are using their money to eat. وَرَبَائِبُكُمْ اللَّاتِ فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِنْ نِسَائِكُمْ اللَّاتِ دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِمْ And haram for you to marry are your stepdaughters, your wives' daughters, who are not your daughters, who are living with you in your home if you have relations with their mother. So can someone now come and say like Ibn Hazm said, if the stepdaughter is not living in the home, she has her own place, now you can marry her even though you consummated with her mother? No. Usually the stepdaughter will be living in the home with the stepdad. Wallahu a'la wa'ala. This person said here, Ikhwani, can you use as a delil the fact that the Prophet ﷺ allowed the man to stay with his wife who would never refuse the hand that wanted to have relations with her? Is this hadith authentic? And can it be used to prove you can marry a woman who commits zina? Hmm. This uh, is an authentic hadith, Ikhwan, and it's one of the hadith that has an ishtal, has a big problem on the mind. The man came and he said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, in imra'ati la tamna' yad lamis. Faqala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, talliqha. Qala inni akhaf an tadba'aha nafsi. Qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, idhan istamta' biha. The man came and said, Ya Rasulullah, my wife does not push away any hand that goes out for her. Every hand that goes out to her, she accommodates that hand. Rasulullah said, then divorce her. He said, but I'm afraid that my nafs will go after her. I love her so much. He said, then keep her and enjoy her. That's an authentic hadith. Authentic hadith. The scholars of Islam have different interpretations of this hadith. Some of them like Imam al-Shawkani who was strong on the sunnah after being a Shiite from the Zaydiyah. And then he got sick and tired of being a slave to the opinions of people that what they're saying doesn't make sense. So he used his mind and he became a scholar, mujtahid, on the kitab and the sunnah. The scholar said that this hadith means she used to commit zina. Anyone who wanted to have relations with her, she would do it. It's one interpretation. The second interpretation is anytime someone comes to her husband's house, she would always give money, whatever she had. Can you give us sadaqah? She give from the money, give from the food. And that's weak. 
Another interpretation is, if people wanted to physically touch her, she would allow it. So it was doubt, a question mark about her sincerity to the husband. And that seems to be weak as well. The strongest one seems, what comes to our mind is, the normal person, what comes to your mind is, seems like it's Zina. But Ikhwan, we cannot say that. We can't even believe that. We're forced to take a position of the other two. We're forced. Why? Because if we said it meant Zina, how could Rasulullah say to a man, then stay with a, stay married to a woman committing Zina? If the man came and said, Ya Rasulullah, my wife has committed zina, he has to make the mula'ana. He has to make the mula'ana. Four times, Wallahi, she committed zina. The fifth time of the curse of Allah be upon me if I'm lying. He has to. If he made that accusation, that's the qaf from the husband. He doesn't have to bring proof. He makes the mula'ana. And they didn't do the mula'ana. In addition to that, Ikhwani, لَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ الْدَيُوثِ The dayuth, the weak man, won't enter into Jannah. Rasulullah will allow a man to be a dayuth, yeah, stay with her and let her do what she wants to do. <coughs> Most of us are going to be like Sa'd ibn Ubadah, when the man came and said he saw his wife committing zina, he said, Wallahi, Ya Rasulullah, if I saw my wife doing that, Wallahi, I'm going to hit her with the sharp end of my sword and the man. I'm going to deal with both of them. That's how normal people will respond. In addition to that, Ikhwani, we all have shared the hadith. Three people will make dua to Allah and their dua will not be accepted. One of those people is the man who has a wife who has bad akhlaq. Meaning, he has a question mark. She has a question mark over her head. Who she's seeing, who she's dealing with. So we're forced to not embrace Izzina. Has to be one of the other two, and Allah knows best. Uh, very quickly, Ikhwatifillah, this person said, Is it true that some sexually transmitted disease, diseases were transmitted by animals? I don't know, you have to ask some of the doctors here, Dr. Abbas, Dr. Amr, Dr. Shahid. You have to ask those, that's a medical term. I read according to the Kufar that animals, sexual diseases can't be transformed from the animal to the human being. But Allahu Alam, they could be lying, they could be lying. Plus we know the authentic hadith where he sought refuge in Allah from five things. And he said, I hope these five things don't fall on you and you don't do them. And one of them he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, La Tabashara Qomun Al-Fahishata Lam Takum fi Aslafihim Illa Anzalallahu Ta'ala Alayhim Da Lam Yakum fi Aslafihim. One of those things people never did al-fahisha that wasn't present with the people went before them, except when they do it, Allah gives them diseases that the other people didn't have. So maybe some of those diseases come from them. You ask the medical people concerning that. What do you say about these short-term marriages in today's age? One or two weeks. Is this zina? Nah, this is not zina. If a man marries a lady and the nasib wasn't there, they were not compatible, and it lost, it lasted for a week or two weeks or a month. That's a tragedy. No doubt about it, they should have taken more time. But sometimes even that cannot be helped. They did everything possible, but it just wasn't written for them. This is not zina because it wasn't in niyyah. Even if a man, Ikhwani, felt he was going to fall into zina, and he got married knowing he was going to get divorced, 
the majority of the scholars say that that is not muta as long as he doesn't say, I give you this much money and we'll stay together this amount of time. That's not me encouraging you to do that. Just as we don't encourage people, as some of the scholars said, if you feel you're going to fall into zina, do al do masturbation. Ah, do what the Prophet said, fast, lower your eyes, make dua. We have a question here. MashaAllah, a lot of questions today. Some questions, I think they put them up. What do you say about these short-term marriages? Uh, I say about the short-term marriages, Ikhwan, we have to take more time looking into and investigating who we're going to marry. How about the recent trend of brothers chatting with sisters on the internet with the intention of marriage? Is this zina? To chat on the internet is halwa. If no one is supervising the sister, this is being alone with the sister. If her awliya or her wali knows about it, it's permissible for her to do it. It's permissible for her to talk to him on the phone if it is being supervised. That is permissible. If it's not being supervised, it is zina and it's not permissible as we mentioned. He prohibited us from talking to women without the permission of their wives, their husbands, or their awliya. What should be done? We're practicing brother married to practicing sister without consent from the sister's parents. They have been married for a few years and have children. Are they guilty of zina? If the girl did not have a wali, that is zina. La nikah illa bi wali. If they didn't have two witnesses, that is zina. To marry the girl and to get a new wali instead of the father, I'm not going to call that zina, but that is vulm. That is oppression. And you'll find ikhwani concerning the zunat. The man or the woman who commits zina, you will find all of the evil being gathered in that person. You will find the zani is a liar. The zani breaks his promise. The zani has no wara, no awareness. The zani has no hayat. The zani has no honor. The zani has no ghira. You'll find everything in the person who has zina, who makes zina. So if the man married the girl without the permission of the father, I'm not going to call that zina if he she got a wali, because sometimes the wilaya of the father would have been taken from the father anyway because he's a racist, he doesn't pray or whatever. But we have to go through the fathers. What about the use for women of the pill or the condom or birth control or put on the condom? Uh, this is permissible to use birth control as long as both parties agree and as long as the birth control does not compromise the health of either one of the parties but it's against the spirit of Islam to do it for no reason. Tazawwaju al-wudud al-wulud fa'inni mukathim bikum al-umam yawm al-qiyamah Marry those women who are loving and prolific. I want to have the most followers, Yomul Qiyamah. Dear brother, can you please explain al-akhlaq? As far as I know, we can't divorce our wife just saying you're divorced three times. At talaq 
Can you explain it, Talaq? You cannot divorce your wife by just saying, your divorce, your divorce, your divorce. That's wrong. And inshallah ta'ala, sometimes we're going to have to give a khutbah about the correct way of divorcing. Allah mentioned some ayahs of divorce, ikhwani. And then after mentioning some of the ahkam of the divorce, he said, وَلَا تَتَّخِذُوا آيَاتِ huzuwa." Don't take the signs of Allah as just in play. Don't keep divorcing her 50, 60, 70 times. Don't divorce her the wrong way. Don't play with the ayat of Allah, which is divorce. Talatha, Three things, when you're serious about them, it's taken serious. When you're playing with them, it's taken serious. When you divorce someone, it's serious. The man says, nah, I was just playing. It counts in Al-Islam, even if your niya really was to play. And when you take her back, I was just playing. No, it really counts. She came back. And the third thing is when you free the slave. Once you say he's free, he's free. As it relates to divorce, and we'll stop with this. The correct way of divorcing Ikhwan during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, if a man divorced his wife three times, your divorce, your divorce, your divorce, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would count it as one. During the khilaf of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, the man said to the woman, "Your divorce, your divorce, your divorce." Abu Bakr would count it as one. During the time of Umar, the Muslims started to spread, and other people came into Islam from the non-Arabs. And the women became many. So a man started to marry and divorce easily and play with the ayat of Allah. So Umar radiallahu anhu being the khalifa said, any man who divorces his wife in one sitting three times, I'm going to make it count. That was so that he can decrease the divorce rate. That's the fiqh of the khalifa Umar radiallahu anhu. So the correct way of divorcing, according to Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, and he suffered for this, because the other ulama disagreed with him on this, is we should go back to the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, just like the adhan of al-Jum'ah. During the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there was only one adhan. During the time of Abu Bakr, only one adhan. During the time of Umar, only one adhan. During the time of Uthman, he would put one adhan in the marketplace because the Muslims were getting so many. And then the second adhan, which was really the first adhan, would be before when the imam came out on the member. So we don't do the two adhans because the sunnah is one. We don't do three divorces like that and make it count as three because the sunnah is, that should only count as one. And this is an example of all of the madhabs believe Three divorces in one sitting equals three. They're all in agreement on that, the madhabs. But not all the, every imam in the madhab agrees with this particular madhab. Anyway, the correct way of divorcing. The man is married to his wife. He divorces her after she becomes pure. He doesn't divorce her on a mince. She comes off her mince. And he doesn't have relations. He says, you're divorced. He waits for three minces to come. If three minces comes and he doesn't take her back and he doesn't have relations with her, she can go and get married. He can keep her or go and get married. If he has relationships or takes her back before the third mince, then that's one divorce and they're married. Three years go by. You're divorced when she's clean and he didn't have relationships with her. She waits the same process. If three misses comes and he doesn't have relations, doesn't take her back, then he can take her or let her go. If he has relations, she's his wife. So they're married, 20 years. He says, you're divorced. After that dirt divorce, she's haram for him. She has to go. Marry another man before she can 
marry him again and the other man has to consummate. Lastly, also what is not correct in divorcing the girl is your divorce, wait for the first mint. Your divorce, wait for the third mint. Your divorce, all of that is not from the religion of Al-Islam. The correct way is what we mentioned.